Amen. Good morning. How are you doing today? Kids, thanks for joining us for a while. Appreciate that. Thank you, teachers, for being back there and uh, teaching the, the youngins. Hey, my name is Ross. Welcome to Centennial Church. We are so glad that you're here this morning, especially glad if you're our guest today. Uh, glad to have you here. We'd love to just know that you're here. There's a guest card in, in the chair backs there. There's also a place on our CC app. We have an app. Um, there's a connection card built into the app. So if you want to do that electronically, you can do that there. But so glad uh, that you're here. Also want to remind our church family, uh, the regulars among us, as we uh, go into this time of Thanksgiving and uh, season of giving, want to remind you to give uh, to the Lord, back to the Lord, as He has so graciously given to us. If you came this morning prepared to give, uh, the baskets are in the back. As you go out the exit doors there to the side, there are baskets for your, for your tithes and offerings. So I encourage you to do that. Of course, you can also do that uh, online or through the app as well. Some people have an allergy to giving online, so they want to use the old-fashioned baskets. I get it. That's good. Um, so whichever way uh, you prefer, but uh, worship and giving through worship is a, is a part of our worship here. So um, can I pray for us again this morning before we open up uh, God's Word? I got a text this morning. Uh, Deanna Sarsfield is usually right down here. Deanna's little guy uh, broke his arm pretty seriously this weekend and is going into surgery right as we um, are worshiping this morning, so we want to lift up uh, Deanna and Dane. Um, I know there's other needs among the body and, and travels and people coming into town, people going out of town, people gathering around the turkey for awkward family gatherings. Uh, just pray for all of you. Not me. That, would, that doesn't happen in my family, uh, but I've heard of that. Uh, so uh, let's pray and... Um, let me just give you a moment to pray silently where you are too, and then I'll, I'll close this, okay? Well, Father God, we, um, we come to you this morning probably not totally um, conscious, but for some of us somewhat conscious at least of our deep need for you and uh, probably not as grateful to you as we should be, Lord. And so we just uh, give you thanks this morning. We give you praise that you have given us life uh, that you have brought us into this world at this time. We do give you thanks, Lord, for our country, for this nation, that uh, we do believe you have shed your grace upon. And we ask, Lord, that you protect our nation, that you would shed your grace, your mercy upon us uh, in our brokenness even. God, would you heal this land and Lord, regardless of what's happening in the world, what's happening in our nation, Lord, we would pray this morning that your church would be strong and growing stronger in this broken and dark world. But we do um, pray as we come to the scriptures this morning, God, that you would make us thankful, grateful people. We pray this morning for Dane as he's in surgery now. We pray for his mom, Deanna, and we also pray for his dad, David, that you would comfort them in this time, that the surgery would go well and that you would heal him quickly. 
and we thank you for the gift of medicine and, and of doctors. Lord, we do pray for this week for um, the joy, the rest that it brings, the stress that it may bring. Lord, help us to trust you in that. Help us to uh, witness, even amongst our family, of your goodness to us. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. So go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 17. We'll get there in just a minute. Luke chapter 17, we're going to begin in verse 11 um, as we think kind of of this holiday week. We celebrate this week not only an American holiday, but also a Christian virtue. Uh, Of course, it is Thanksgiving. It's time to remember the pilgrims and the land in which we live. But Thanksgiving uh, is a Christian virtue all throughout the Scriptures. In fact, 150-plus times throughout our Bibles, we're instructed to give thanks, to be grateful for what God has done for us, for what we have. So Thanksgiving is not just an American holiday, but it is a posture and an attitude that is to be ours as believers, especially of all the people in the world to be thankful, we should be most thankful of all. Um, And so this morning, we want to look at that theme a little bit. And I've said in the past, maybe you remember this, but uh, as we know, um, coming up on the holidays, we know that uh, Thanksgiving is coming. Why? Because Christmas lights are up, right? And we know that before Christmas comes, Thanksgiving has to come. That's just the order of the calendar. And if you even want to back up further from Halloween to then Thanksgiving to then Christmas and then the New Year, here we are with this compact uh, holidays, maybe one not so holy among the holidays. Uh, but anyway, it's good for candy and, uh, and getting fat. But in this season, we know, that Christmas is, we know that Thanksgiving is coming because Christmas lights are up. And things are different in the stores. Well, there is an order to our holidays. There is also an order to thanksgiving in the scriptures. And it's a pattern that we see throughout the scriptures. We know that Christmas is coming. We know that thanksgiving is coming because of Christmas, right? Well, the order of salvation in the Bible goes like this. It goes guilt and then grace and then gratitude, That's really the story of salvation. We begin not with thanksgiving, but we end with thanksgiving. We begin, the story of the Bible tells us we begin with this story of guilt. And now guilt comes at the very beginning of the story in Genesis chapter 3. And from guilt, we then go to God's grace, God's provision through his covenants with his people to give us grace, unmerited favor. And so our need requires God's provision, and God's, God's provision necessitates our gratitude. Guilt, grace, and then gratitude. And this morning in this passage in Luke chapter 17, uh, we see that gratitude, thankfulness, is a minority position. It's a minority posture amongst these 10 guys that we'll meet, and it's a minority posture today, I would say as well. It's a minority uh, piece of my heart. And when we experience gratitude, it's nice. Uh, when someone says thank you, it's nice. You, you like it. But when someone doesn't say thank you, when gratitude isn't present, it's ugly, isn't it? 
When there's no gratitude, oh, just say from your spouse if you've done something or for your kids if you've given them something and there's no gratitude, it is an ugly picture, isn't it? And this morning in this story of Thanksgiving in Luke, Luke 17, we see the ugliness of ingratitude. So follow along with me here. We'll begin at uh, verse 11 and uh, talk about it as we, as we go through here. Luke 17, beginning in verse 11. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee, and the, the he here is obviously Jesus. And this verse, verse is setting up the scene. Jesus, we've learned from Luke chapter 9, verse 51 and 52, that in Luke's gospel, he, Jesus is now making a right turn. And he is, he is moving from Galilee, which is up in the north, to Jerusalem and the south. And if you know anything about biblical history uh, or biblical geography, I should say, Galilee is in the north of Israel, and the south of Israel is the area called Judea. But in between those two regions lies another region, and it's the region of Samaria. And if you know your Bible history or you've read John chapter 4, you know that Jews and Samaritans were not uh, on equal footing. They weren't the best of friends. There was, some, there was some conflict there. There was some division there. So Jesus is moving from the north to the south, and he has to pass through this region of Samaria, which was kind of, uh, as I said, a territory that Jews were not fond of. And so as he's going through Samaria uh, on his way there, verse 12 says, as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers. And if you, write, if you write in your Bibles, you might underline that word 10, okay? That's going to be important for the story there. As he, as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And uh, you may have never... Uh, seen leprosy before. You've probably heard about it. Modern scientists or medical doctors call it uh, Hansen's disease, but there are all types of these, sin, these skin diseases, sin diseases as well, but skin diseases in the New Testament times in Jesus' day. And uh, so you see often in the scriptures Jesus uh, engaging these lepers who were the outcasts of society. And that's why you notice it says that they stood at a distance, Right? Why did they stand at a distance? Because they had to. They were the outcasts. People didn't want to touch them. People didn't want to be around them. They were on the fringes of society. This morning, as we were talking uh, with the worship team, as we had communion before, I said, these are kind of like the, the gluten allergic people today, right? They're on the outskirts of society. Just kidding. They're on the fringes. I'm one of those, by the way, uh, and my family is. But these, these are the people that uh, you, you didn't want to, come on, smile. Uh, you didn't want to be around. You didn't want to uh, be in contact with the lepers. I was spent, some of you know, I spent some time in Ethiopia and uh, the compound where we were living, the mission uh, complex where we were living, we were right next door uh, to a leper hospital. Uh, a lot of research was done there, and it was 
the, these folks were on the outside of Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, because they were from leper families. And so one of the many of the students that we ministered to had uh, moms and dads who had leprosy. And as we would visit their houses, you could see that the nubs of their fingers just uh, broken down from the, the lack of sensitivity. And so they would burn their hands on hot pans and, and cookware as they were doing things. And just there was no sensitivity. And, and you could see it in their face as their, face, their faces and their nose were sh- shrunken in from the leprosy. Now, there's a lot of fables with this. You, you can't get leprosy just by touching it, but at that time, they didn't know that. So these, these lepers, these outcasts are going to be the recipients, okay? They are in need of God's grace, and they are going to be the recipients of God's grace, and then we'll see where that follows with gratitude. So they stood at a distance, and they lifted up their voices. That's going to be important as well as we get down later in the story. They lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Give us mercy, God. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the, to the priest. Now, why would Jesus say, go and show yourselves to the priest? Because in that day, if you read Leviticus, parts of Leviticus, as well as Deuteronomy, that's the way, by going to the priest and showing their skin now healed, they would be admitted back into the community and be able to go and present sacrifices uh, as the others did. And so Jesus is telling them, go to the priest as if you are healed. And this is interesting because Jesus doesn't touch them. At this point, he doesn't touch them. He doesn't say you are healed. He just says, go and show yourselves to the priests. And that's his way of saying, if you will take me at my word, as you walk away from here, you will be healed. And that's the way, there's a parallel here. That's the way it is for us oftentimes. God, we we come to Jesus and we say, Jesus, we need your healing. We need your help. And God says, take me at my word and go walk about your way. I will take care of it. I'm reminded of the place uh, in Joshua where the... uh, the Israelites were told to walk across the Jordan River and the water did not part until the priest's toes hit the water. They had to go in faith and then God made, the, made the, the, the river dry up. But it wasn't until they went in faith. Sometimes we want the gift of God before we want to exercise faith and we say, Jesus, you have spoken grace to us. You have spoken a healing to us. You have spoken your provision to us, and now you're asking us to walk out in that faith. And will you turn and believe? And so these guys had great faith, and they turned and believed as they, as they walked. And it says they were cleansed. They were healed as they went. Not right in front of Jesus, but as they went, they were cleansed. Um, verse 15, the story, uh, the story builds, verse 15, then one of them, underline the word one of them, then one of them, when he saw that he was, that he was healed as he was going, when one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, only one of the 10 turns around. This is the language of repentance and goes back to Jesus to find Jesus. 
turned back, praising God, and notice, underline, with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now look at the contrast that Luke is giving us here. What, what was their physical position at, at the beginning of the story? They stood at a distance. This leper had been apart from the community and apart from Jesus. He stood at a distance. And now what is he doing? He's moving forward and he's falling on his face at Jesus' feet. The distance has gone away. He has come close to Jesus and he is grateful, giving him thanks. And notice he doesn't just give him thanks, but he says he gives him thanks with a loud voice. You see the parallel here earlier in verse uh, 13, it said they, they lifted up their voices. And now it says in a loud voice, he is praising Jesus. Here's the question for us practically this morning. Is your praise as loud as your request? Is your gratitude as high a volume as your request? I mean, I know I'm guilty of asking God to come through on something. Lord, provide here. Lord, make, make this happen. And then when God answers my, my prayer, I'm slow to give thanks, to give praise. And sometimes my thankfulness is not as elongated as my request has been. Can you hear me? You get me? Is our praise as loud or as elongated, as persistent as our request has been. And Luke puts this um, description at the end of verse 16. He says, now he was a Samaritan. What are we supposed to learn from that? Now he was a Samaritan. This, this guy that, that comes back to Jesus to give him praise and to give him thanksgiving is not only a leper, previously outcast of society, but he's also, he's got two strikes against him. He's not only a leper, he's a Samaritan. And yet God puts his grace upon people who are outcasts, on people who are undeserving, on people that the world might look down upon. Jesus sheds his grace on them. He heals these 10 lepers, but only one comes back. And the one that comes back is even more an outcast than the other lepers because he is a Samaritan. So verse 17, then Jesus answered, we're not, the, we're not 10 cleansed? Jesus has three questions here for the leper. We're not the 10 cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? This one that is the least likely to have faith, the Samaritan versus the, the Jewish lepers? Where are the 10? Or where are the other nine, Jesus is saying? Why is it only this one that has come back to give thanks for what I've done for him? Well, I have here nine reasons why only one leper returned. They're fictitious, but maybe you can identify. Reason number one that... Only one came back. One, not communion was not a reason, but reason number one, one waited to see if the cure was real, if it would last. Yeah, let's just kind of wait this out, see if it really works, right? One thought he was deserving. 
One said he would see Jesus later and thank him then. One decided that he had never had leprosy. One said he would have gotten well with time. One simply tweeted about it. One was initially thankful, but then found a new ailment which took his attention. That doesn't sound like me or anyone I know. One wanted to go find Jesus, but didn't want to leave his friends. And finally, one was thankful in general, in his heart, but not to anyone specific. Oh yeah, I'm thankful. I just haven't given thanks to anyone. Thanksgiving, gratitude is the minority position. It was then and it still is today because in my heart, and I'm guessing maybe yours too, is a, uh, a natural bent towards pride, towards deserving, self-deserving, entitlement. And so we are slow or... Uh, not long in giving thanks and giving praise. And we, I think we also notice here that, the, that the, the thanksgiving is meant to be specific. He had this one thing, and he went back and he gave Jesus thanks for this specific one thing. There's a wonderful uh, passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 15 and 16, another great Thanksgiving verse. It says this. It says, rejoice always. Got that one down yet? Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. To be thankful in all circumstances. That's hard, isn't it? But you know what? Of all people at all times in all the world... uh, Man, physically, materially, we have much to be thankful for, don't we? Amen. I was inspired. Uh, I've been reading recently this wonderful classic book called The Hiding Place by Corey Ten Boom. And uh, I don't know that I've read a more powerful um, story, a more powerful book uh, recently than this. I encourage you, if you haven't read this, uh, pick it up. And I actually finished it. Uh, yesterday, and I was surprised as I was reading it. I was like, well, here it is, Thanksgiving. If you don't know the story of Corey Ten Boom and her family uh, in the 40s, late 30s and 40s, they were hiding uh, Jews during the Holocaust within their home in Holland. And Corey and her sister, and uh, actually most of her family, were taken to prison camps where they were tortured and you know, the scenario. And uh, what amazed me about Corey and, and Betsy, the story that Corey tells here, is the radical um, God focus as they go through these horrible atrocities. And the passage that jumped out to me yesterday here toward the end is as they're at the prison camp, uh, they, they go into the barracks, which are just inhumane, and just barracks, flat barracks, the whole like bigger than this room, and some are on the ground, and then there's barracks above that like two feet high, not even high enough for you to bend up as you sleep, and just hundreds of, uh, of women in these, these barracks lying next to each other, crowded, uh, one, uh, one layer upon another, and as they go into these barracks, just infested 
with fleas. And Corey says, Betsy, how can we live in such a place? And Betsy responds, show us, show us how. It was said so matter-of-factly, it took me a second to realize she was praying. More and more, the distinction between prayer and the rest of life seemed to be vanishing for Betsy. Corey, she said excitedly, he's given us the answer. Before we ask, he's always, he always does. In the Bible this morning, where was it? Read that part again. I glanced down the long, dim aisle to make sure no guard was in sight. Then I drew the Bible from its pouch. It was, thirst, it was First Thessalonians, I said. We were on our third complete reading of the New Testament. In feeble light, I turned the pages. Here it is. Comfort the frightened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. See that none of you repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to all. It seemed written expressly for, Rav, for Ravensbrook. Go on, said Betsy. That wasn't all. Oh, yes. To one another and to all, rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. That's it, Corey. That's his answer. Give thanks in all circumstances. That's what we can do. We can start right now to thank God for every single thing about this new barracks. I stared at her, then around me at the dark, foul-aired room. Such as, I said, such as being assigned here together. I bit my lip. Oh, yes, Lord Jesus. Such as what you're holding in your hands. I looked down at the Bible. Yes, thank you, dear Lord, that there was no inspection when we entered here. Thank you for all the women in here, here in this room, who will meet you in these pages. Yes, Betsy, thank you for the very crowding here, since we're packed so close that many more will hear, hear of the good news of Jesus. She looked at me expectantly. Corey, she prodded. Oh, all right. Thank you for the jammed, crammed, stuffed, packed, suffocating crowds. Thank you, Betsy went on serenely, for the fleas and for the fleas. This was too much. Betsy, there's no way even God can make me grateful for a flea. (laughs) Give thanks in all circumstances, she quoted. It doesn't say in pleasant circumstances. Fleas are a part of this place where God has put us. And so we stood between piers of bunks and gave thanks for fleas. But this time, I was sure Betsy was wrong. (laughs) You find out as she goes on to tell the story that the reason that they were able to have their prayer meetings and their Bible studies in those barracks was because of the fleas, because the guards didn't want to come in because the fleas were so atrocious. And so they shared their faith and they prayed and they gave people hope in terrible circumstances. I don't read that this morning to make us feel guilty. I don't think we're meant to feel guilty. The progress of the gospel is guilt, grace, and now gratitude. I say that to help stir in us a bit of gratitude because look at what all we have and look at what we don't have to deal with. And of all people... We should be grateful. And of all people, Christians should be the most grateful of all. And yet, unfortunately, it's often one in ten. 
Are you the one in the 10? And I confess to you, so often I'm not. I'm among the nine. Dear Jesus, make us grateful people. What do you need to be grateful for this morning? What do you need to pause right now and give thanks for? I've got one for you, and maybe you haven't yet embraced it, but the, as we'll celebrate in a moment, the body and blood of Jesus shed for us so that we could have grace and live in gratitude. But I want to invite you right now to just be quiet where you are, bow your head with me, and just think as the band comes forward and we prepare to take communion, to just go before the Lord and not just be thankful, but give him thanks. So bow your head with me and give thanks. Let me ask you this, have you said thank you to Jesus? I don't mean in a generic way, but I mean in a specific way. Maybe you're here this morning and you know you're supposed to be grateful, but you've never said thank you to Jesus in the sense that you've never accepted his grace. You've never realized that his body and blood was shed for you to forgive you of your sins, to give you a relationship with him. And, And faith just means extending your hand and saying thank you. Being saved is just coming with empty hands and saying, thank you, Jesus, for your gift. And if you have never done that before, if you have never placed your trust in Jesus, said thank you and become a part of his family, I invite you to do that right now, silently, just where you are. Just say, Jesus, I believe in you. Thank you for your gift of grace to me in Jesus. And if that's you, I'd love to talk to you this morning after the service, help you in that new decision. Father God, we come to you this morning in a comfortable place, in a, in a safe place, in a good country, not a perfect country, but a good country. And uh, all around pretty easy circumstances for most of us. And so we see the 
the ugliness of our ingratitude and we say, Holy Spirit, help us change our hearts. Help us to look out and see. Help us to look up and see. Make us grateful. Jesus, we are grateful for you this morning and we pray that you would make us even more grateful. It's in your beautiful name we pray. Amen.